chapter 2, verse 1. Reading from the New King James Version, it's on the screen today. Here's what the Bible says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord at one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Pray that you speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, give us fresh ears and fresh eyes to see the truth of your word. But Lord, most of all, Lord, right now, I pray that you would fill every empty vessel right now to overflowing. I bind every hindrance and distraction in the name of Jesus. May the word of the Lord have free course today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated and you can keep your Bible open this morning. This morning, I'm going to finish up our series that we've entitled Pay It Forward. And uh, with a message that is very fitting for today, um, over the last month, we've been looking at the Christian's responsibility to pay forward the message of the gospel that we've received. Uh, The very first uh, Sunday of that series was about missions, answering the call to missions. And uh, and so what we talked about was that, that a great responsibility rests upon each and every one of us to ensure at the most highest priority that those who have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That's why we support missionaries and world missions efforts. Amen. Uh, that Believe it or not, there are places in the world where there is no church, there is no radio signal, and there is no Christian television. See, people say, well, pastor, there's lost people in America. That's true. There are, and we need to evangelize them. But the truth is, America has great access to the gospel. With Daystar, TBN, Christian Radio, K-Love, and a local church almost on every corner in the Midwest. Come on, somebody. America has access. We owe a high responsibility to those who have never heard. And so we talked about answering the call to missions, which, by the way, next Sunday you have another opportunity to answer that call because it's what? Thank you so much for your enthusiasm today. Then we talked about uh, the responsibility for personal evangelism, the necessity of personal evangelism. That's the responsibility for each and every one of us to share our faith in the day-to-day. See, you can give money uh, to a missionary to go across the seas to somebody you've never met, but you cannot disperse that responsibility to somebody else. It is our responsibility to go to our neighbors, to go to our classmates, to go to those in our sphere of influence. Amen? I told you last week there are two types of Christians. Uh, There are soul winners and backsliders. Amen? It's important. See, that didn't go over too well. Praise the Lord. This morning, I'm going to tell you what gives you the power to be able to do that. This morning, I want to talk to you about Pentecost, but specifically, I want to answer a question. What does Pentecost mean to me? What does Pentecost mean to me? I don't know about you. All of our experiences are different. But I will tell you this. Nothing quite has changed my life like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what that is today, you're going to have an opportunity to find out what that is. But I want to tell you that as a sinner, 
the greatest gift that I ever received from the Lord was the gift of salvation. With Jesus, with His substitutional sacrifice, gave His life for me, my sin, His righteousness, great exchange, and now we are able to come into His presence. So the gift of salvation is the greatest gift that I ever received as the sinner. But the greatest gift as a believer that I ever received was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift, according to the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, is, is unto us, it's promised to our children, our children's children, and to many of those who are, all of those who are far off, whom the Lord our God shall call. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to everybody. But I'm so glad this morning to have a personal experience with Pentecost. Now, this morning, I want, I want to tell you, first of all, that the Assemblies of God, which is the, the network of churches that we belong to, is a Pentecostal fellowship. But a little bit further than that, uh, 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 Pentecost is not a network. Pentecost is not a fellowship. Pentecost is not even a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. Amen. And contrary to what some people believe, it is an experience that transcends denominational barriers and walls. And listen, as we get closer to the time of Jesus' return, what we're going to find out is that, that these walls are going to come tumbling down because the Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. On Baptist flesh and Methodist flesh and Church of Christ flesh and all other types of flesh, Lutheran flesh, Presbyterian flesh. I believe God can do it and He desires to do it and He will do it. Because in these last days, people are going to be grasping for something that they need to help them make it through the days of adversity. Listen, I'm so glad for that experience. I'm glad that I grew up in a church that emphasized this experience. I'm glad that all of my children's church teachers growing up taught us about the Holy Spirit. I'm glad for my youth pastors growing up that taught us about the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me just tell you a little bit of my personal testimony. Uh, God had saved me. I had no doubt whatsoever that I was saved and on my way to heaven at the age of... Uh, it was about 12 and a half, 13, I get kind of mixed up a little bit there, but it was around that age, is when I fully understood the weight of personal sin. Amen. Meaning I needed a Savior. And uh, I gave my life to Christ, and He radically saved me. And, uh, and then uh, I, I ended up going to, to church camp, and it was a powerful experience. And then I'm so thankful for the influence of a godly school teacher. There was a school teacher um, that her name was Miss Beth Tollett. She was a gifted and talented teacher at our high school. And she did something that really they frown upon today, but I'm glad that some people know how to obey God. She invited some of us teenagers to her church on a Wednesday night. And at that time, our church didn't have a youth group or anything like that, so we were... We were getting fed and ministered to on Sundays, but there's something to be said about age-appropriate ministry. That's an insert right there for those of you who have kids and teenagers that aren't involved in our programs on Wednesday night. What are you doing? Hello, somebody. That's what we have them for. 
uh, because there's some things that people need to learn on their level. Anyway, I digress. Um, but here's what happened. She took some of us to her youth group, and there is where I had a radical encounter with the presence of God. Uh, one Wednesday night, our youth pastor was preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As we sang about this morning, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And as he began to, to, to preach, he gave an altar call. And all of these students came up to the front and, and he began to lay hands on them and, and uh, they began to speak in tongues and they began to fall on the floor and there was a powerful demonstration of God's Spirit. Well, I'm a little stubborn, so when he came to me, I, I just kind of had the mentality. It's hard to explain. I was hungry for God, but, but at the same time, I, I didn't want um, some pushy experience. And so... I kind of buckled my knees and, and kind of clenched my jaw, and I felt the power of God, but nothing really manifested in that moment. Until the next morning, Thursday morning, I got up getting ready for school, and I was just in the bathroom, you know, brushing my teeth, jumping in the shower, all of that stuff. I started to say washing my hair, which is true, but you're going to laugh this morning, and this is a serious moment. Amen. But I, I remember being in the, the bathroom getting ready for school that morning and I was crying out to God. And I was hungry for God. Let me give you a spiritual key right here. Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus gave the Beatitudes to His disciples, here's what He said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I was hungry. Somebody shout hungry. I was hungry and, and thirsty. Je Jesus said in John 7, all who are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. I was praying, God, please, I want your power so bad in my life. And, and I don't know the exact moment it happened. I just knew that it happened. I went from speaking in English speaking in a language that nobody had taught me it wasn't from a Spanish class it wasn't from uh, Rosetta Stone come on somebody it was a language that I had never learned as I was baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit powerful that experience radically changed my life but what I need you to understand this morning is that that experience is not meant to be a one-time, one-and-done, get a certificate, put it on the wall, I I've been there, I've done that, I got the t-shirt type of experience. The New Testament teaches that we are to be continually refilled with the Holy Spirit. We are to fan the flame of God in our lives. You see, some of you in this room this morning, that's why you're dry on the inside. You, you have the, I've been there, done that mentality. But this morning, I want to ask the question, when's the last time you got a touch from the Holy Spirit in your life? It's powerful. Let, let, me, let, me just, let me just backtrack for just a moment before we get here and give you some background in our text. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Uh, I, I want to give you some history real quick. Pentecost was an actual day. It was a feast, one of the many feasts of Israel. They celebrated feasts that God told them to celebrate. And, of course, there was Passover and then Pente. Pente means 50. This was 50 days after. It was the Feast of Harvest. It actually commemorated the, the giving of the law. 
It's when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and the law of God was given to him. You understand, Moses went up, the, holy, the, the power of God came down in, in smoke. They saw the smoke, they heard the voice, and God visited with Moses on top of Mount Sinai. Uh, it, it was such a holy moment that in that moment of time, the book of Exodus records that 3,000 people were killed at the giving of the law because of the holiness of God. It's a crazy experience. But Pentecost has this date, okay? It's something that the Jews celebrated repetitively. Well, in the last chapter of the book of Luke, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's preparing them for his departure, and they're saying, Lord, what's going to happen? We don't want you to leave. And Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Bible says that he told them in in the last chapter of Luke to go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they receive power from on high, until they receive the promise of the Father. And that leads us right up to Luke's account in in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was the day where all of the people were coming to, to Israel. They were se- to Jerusalem, rather. They were celebrating the commemora- uh, commemoration of the law. They were celebrating the feast, how God had blessed them, and all of those things. And it was in that moment that the fire from heaven fell upon each and every one of those who was in the upper room. It was powerful. Now, I'm about to give you some insight this morning, and this is all free. I haven't even got it to my message yet. This is 100% free this morning, but somebody needs to hear this. Throughout Scripture, the fire has always been symbolic of the Holy Spirit. In in, uh, the book of Leviticus, this Scripture is not on the screen, but you can write this down. In the book of Leviticus, chapter number 6, verse number 13, when they were establishing the tabernacle and all of the furniture that was supposed to be in that tabernacle was there. It was the labor of washing. It was the table of showbread. It was the Ark of the Covenant behind the veil. All of those things were there. But in that, there was, a, there was a, 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 an altar, a brazen altar. And in that particular passage, they were instructed to build a fire, to build a place To house a fire. And they were given instructions about this fire. Now later on, there were some people who were struck dead because they offered to the Lord strange fire. See, the fire that was to be upon the altar in this tabernacle, in this temple, was not to originate in the hands of man. It was to be originated by God. In other words, God himself would light this fire. And so what happened was that when this particular process was ready the bible said the fire of the lord came down and consumed the sacrifice and the fire was on the altar and now they were given instructions a fire shall always be burning on the altar notice this it shall never somebody say never it shall never go out don't miss this god was responsible for lighting the fire but the priest were responsible for maintaining the fire. 
The Bible said that they had to come in and clear out the ash. They had to make sure that everything was out of the way so that that fire could continually be burning. Can I tell you the reason why some of you are in a dead state spiritually is because God one time lit the fire, but you've allowed that fire to go out. Can I remind you of Paul's words to Timothy? He said, he said stir up the gift of God that is within you that was given by the laying on of my hands. Folks, listen, God will give us fire but we've got to maintain our fire we got to maintain our fire Woo! bless this Holy Ghost the day of Pentecost was awesome the commemoration of the law Moses is up there meeting with God the people are down in the valley committing idolatry 3,000 people died. Something interesting happened in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that the power of the Holy Spirit filled that place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was this fresh, bold preacher by the name of the Apostle Peter. He preached an amazing message. And what happened at that moment, the Bible says that he, he gave a a call to action, if you will. And the Bible says that, that after they, these people said, what must we do to be saved? Peter told them. And the Bible says that 3,000 plus people were saved on the day of Pentecost, plus women, plus children. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in water. They were added to the church. And let me tell you something. Here's the principle in all that, folks. In the Old Testament, at the commemoration of this experience, 3,000 people died. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 plus people came to life. This is what Paul meant when he said it is the spirit that kills, but the, it, or it's the letter that kills, but the spirit that gives life. The Holy Spirit wants to give life to the church in this day and this hour. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. So we got to ask ourselves the question, what does Pentecost mean to me? I'll tell you, it really doesn't matter what it means to me. It matters what the Scripture says. But it means to me what it does is because I know what the Scripture says. And I believe that if you want to understand the purpose and the intention of something, you go back to the original model. And I want to take us back to the book of Acts this morning. And I want to run through five things real quickly before I bring us to a close this morning. And I'm, for the next few moments, I'm going to be answering the question, what does Pentecost mean to me? The very first thing that I want to talk to you about, number one, Pentecost means soul winning. Pentecost means soul winning. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible records these words. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all in Judea and in Samaria and into the end of the earth. See, friends, I want you to know something this morning. The purpose of this Pentecostal experience is not 
just so you can get goosebumps. It's not just so that you can prophesy over each other. It's not just so you can have a good church service. The whole purpose of this mighty baptism in feeling of power is for us to be able to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power to be a witness. It is a power to demonstrate His power. It is a power to be able to take the gospel into dark places and be salt and light for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I didn't coin the phrase, but it's true. Don't, don't tell me you're baptized in the Holy Spirit if you speak in tongues, but you don't tell people about Jesus in English. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you power in your life. So that we can tell other people about Christ. Listen, let me tell you something. Those who call themselves spirit-filled, we ought to have the most conversions. We ought to have the, the most baptisms. We ought to have the most uh, new believer discipleship programs. Why? Because our emphasis is to reach the lost. Come on, somebody. Are you with me in this church this morning? A spirit-filled church's mission is to reach the lost in our communities. Those who go to our school. Those who go to our colleges. Those who work with us on our workforce. Those in our cubicles. Those who we encounter every single day. It's our responsibility to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. If you're in this room this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't feel equipped to tell people about Christ. If you say, I, I'm, I'm shy, I just don't feel like I have the tools. Listen, my friend, I don't care how old you are or how young you are or how long you've been in this thing. Don't you leave this building this morning before you receive a touch, a fresh touch of the Spirit of God upon your life. Because listen, if He did it for them, He will do it for you. He wants to give you power to be a witness. Not just in evangelism, but in missions. He said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Let me just tell you, He starts with Jerusalem. And then He ends to the uttermost parts of the world. Folks, that's a progression there. There's a progression there. You see, I love missions. But I have a problem when people are so willing to spend all their money to get on an airplane to go reach people who they've never seen and they won't walk across the aisle at Walmart. They won't speak to the person next to their P.O. box in the post office. Hello, somebody. We've got to have power for soul winning. How many of you know it's all about the one? He said, I, what, what manner of you having a hundred sheep loses one? Does he not leave the 99 in safety and go after the one who is lost? My God, this morning I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would baptize each one of us afresh with power to win souls. We've got to have it. Here's the second one. What does Pentecost mean to me? Pentecost means speaking with tongues. Pentecost means speaking with tongues. You say, why is this important, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why it's important. It's important because God said it was important. You see, the Holy Spirit comes into our life at salvation. That is not 
what we call the baptism of power. Every believer has the Holy Spirit resident on the inside of them through salvation. What we're talking about this morning is a secondary work of power that gives us the equipment needed to reach the world around us. In Acts chapter 2 verse 4, here's what the Bible says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. See, it would be okay if this was a one-time instance. But it wasn't a one-time instance. The Bible says that Peter found himself at Cornelius' house. And when he was at Cornelius' house, the Bible says, while he yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they, they, they spoke in tongues and magnified God. Well, there's two. Do we have a three? We do. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6, the Bible said, Paul, having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, found certain disciples of John, and he asked them this question, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, so he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You say, well, that's great, Pastor, but Jesus never talked about it. Oh, really? Mark chapter 16, verse 15 declares, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the scriptural pattern to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all initially evidenced with speaking with unknown tongues why it's because number one the tongue according to the book of James is the most unruly member of our body it is truly a sign of surrender the second reason is because it parallels the purpose God's power is to anoint our tongue to preach in such a way that is relying upon the Holy Spirit's enablement Tell you, when you share your faith, whether it be in English or whatever, you got to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's power for living. In the Old Testament, every time the Holy Spirit came upon somebody, like the prophets or whatever, it touched their mouth. They prophesied. But in this new dispensation, when the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody for power, they spoke with tongues. Tongues is not the baptism. It's just the evidence of it. The baptism is power to be a witness. Amen. Are you still with me? Here's what I want you to know. The Bible says after Jesus was resurrected, uh, he showed himself alive to many people. And he invited them to the upper room. 500, the scripture emphatically says, were invited to the upper room. But Acts tells us that only 120 people showed up. That means 380 people had something better to do with their lives than what Jesus had to offer. In other words, 380 people said, no thank you, Jesus, I don't want that. But let me tell you something. All of them who wanted it, got it. He did not fall on anybody who did not want it because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Oh, I need to stay there for a moment. If you're contorting around, hucking and hollering and all this stuff, and you say, I can't control myself, that ain't God. 
The Holy Spirit's a gentleman and God's not the author of confusion. But let me tell you something this morning. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, it is because they have yielded themselves to that experience. The Holy Spirit will fill those vessels who want to be filled. So here's what I'm telling you this morning. If you don't want it, don't worry about it. You won't receive it. You'll leave here the same way you came in, but it won't be because of me. It won't be because of God. The gift is for the receiving. He wants everybody to receive the promise of his power. Amen? All right, let's, let's, let's have a little fun here for a minute. Here's the third thing. To me, Pentecost means being mocked. This is an often forgotten reality of what happened on the day of Pentecost. I, I want you to notice uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 13. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was demonstrated, those who were in the streets, those who were observers, here's what they said. Others mocked, saying they are of full of new wine. Peter rose up among the twelve and said, These are not drunk as you suppose, being but is but the ninth hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let me tell you what Pentecost means to me. Pentecost to me means being mocked. See, some of you uh, may not understand this because you've, you've grown up under this new thing. But even in my great-grandparents' age, and my grandparents' age, and even when I was a kid in high school and in junior high, it wasn't popular to go to a Pentecostal church. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been asked, do you handle snakes? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, are y'all one of them churches? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, do y'all speak in tongues? To which when I said yes, people said, show me. You... <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Some of y'all probably couldn't make it if we lived 20 or 30 years ago. For the most part, starting at Azusa Street forward, the Pentecostals, the Spirit-filled people, they didn't have any money. Their churches were raggedy. Many of them didn't have air conditioners. Many of them didn't have buildings. They had tents, brush arbors. They didn't have pews, they had benches. That's benches in Tennessee. There's no pews, there's two boards. When you sit down, if you have any padding in the back, and you know what I'm talking about, a little junk in the trunk, you got pinched when you sat down. I'm convinced that's why so many people shouted in those churches. They didn't have anything. They didn't have big bank accounts. They didn't have big, big things, shiny things. But i tell you what they had. They had prayer meetings. They had revivals. They had the sick healed. 
When people couldn't get an answer anywhere else, they brought the sick to the church. And the saints prayed for them. When a, when, a, when a woman's husband was a drunk and wouldn't come to Christ, she'd call on the ladies of the church. They'd get around the altars and they'd pray. And God would visit them and they'd get delivered and set free by the power of God. But we were mocked. I dare you to go read some Pentecostal history. Especially up in Virginia and the Appalachian Mountains and those places. They would, they would do all types of things. They set our churches on fire. They threw rotten tomatoes and eggs at the church. They heckled people as they went in. It was terrible. But you know, I had a thought this morning. My, how times have changed. You see, back then, when we preached, they threw rotten tomatoes at us. But today when we come to town and preach, they throw thousand dollar offerings at us. Because we've told them that God wants to give them a new house. But we failed to tell them He don't want you shacking up with somebody you're not married to in it. Hello somebody. They used to mock the gifts of the Spirit. But now we barely have any. Because we have empty altars, empty prayer meetings, nobody's bringing, oh help me somebody, nobody's bringing anybody to church. Hallelujah. It's Pentecost Sunday. They were mocked. They were mocked. Now the only thing they can mock us for is leaving the altar call early so we can go to the buffet. Hallelujah. Amen. I didn't come to win friends today. I came to make disciples. Hallelujah. Pentecost means being mocked. They were mocked. They were laughed at. There was a, pro there was a price to be paid. Here's the fourth thing. Pentecost means to me. Pentecost to me means... Bold preaching. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter said, Therefore let the house of Israel know that assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There was something about this baptism of power that fell upon the early church. There was boldness that happened to them as the Holy Spirit literally changed who they were. Peter, for example, was timid, was a loud mouth, rough around the edges. We all know the story. Denied Christ. Left him vulnerable in his most sacred moment. Finding himself in the shadows of the cross. Leaving John there to take care of Mary. Peter then, after the crucifixion, gets back in his boat, goes back fishing. And what happens? He doesn't catch anything. They toiled all night. And all of a sudden, they see an apparition of a, something on the other side, and it's Christ. And he says, 
Have you caught any meat? We've been toiling all night. Not caught anything. Cast your nets on the other side. The Bible says that they cast open their nets and they got a whole catch full. Species of all different types of fish. See, Peter went back doing what he used to do in a backslidden state. But let me tell you something. When the call of God is on your life, you can't go back to what you used to. you got to stay with Jesus. you got to stay with His plan. But I'm so thankful that when Jesus showed Himself alive, He emphasized, go tell the disciples and Peter. And they went and got Peter. On the day of Pentecost... He wasn't voted the most likely to be chosen. His failures, the things in his life, he had dropped the ball so many times. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life, God gave him boldness. And while he ran from a little girl who said, I recognize your t-shirt, you must be one of those Christian people. Okay, it wasn't a t-shirt. but She recognized by the way he talked and the way he carried himself. You're one of those Christ followers. Peter said, I don't even know the man. Now, this Peter, under the inspiration of the power of the Holy Spirit, goes right down the southern steps of the temple. In the courtyard where all of the people are gathered and sticks his finger in the very face of the people responsible for hammering the nails in his hands and feet. The very people responsible for placing the crown of thorns upon his head and shoving the spear deep within the recesses of his side. uh, Peter rather points his finger in their face and says, this Jesus whom you crucified, he poured this out. He's responsible for this. And listen, bold preaching is what happened in that day. Pentecost, to me, means bold preaching. Bold preaching. One of the unique characteristics of our kind was to preach about compromise, without compromise. But now you have so-called spirit-filled people on television getting interviews by nationally syndicated authors, and they fumble on the most simplest of Christian doctrines. Come on, somebody. Such as, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Such as, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Do you think it's a sin? Well, I don't know. Listen, they ain't got the real Holy Ghost because the real Holy Ghost will make you bold. Come on, somebody. The real Holy Ghost will make you tell the truth and shame the devil. The real Holy Ghost will make you speak up even when it costs you something. Bold preaching. We need bold preaching. In the midst of a culture who has lost their way. In the midst of a culture where our secular universities are pumping out all of their propaganda. 
And they're saying that all roads lead to Rome and all religions are on equal ground and there's really just one God and, and, and the only thing that's different is what you call him. We need bold preaching that says Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by him. We need that kind of bold preaching. In the midst of a, a, a society and a culture, even among the church, where people have lost their ever-loving minds. Uh, in, in a society where the right is wrong and wrong is right, we need bold preaching that tells not just the lost, but the saints that holiness is still right. Hallelujah. Your shorts are too short, honey. Come on, somebody. Your shirt is too low. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You're not supposed to sleep with somebody that's not your spouse. You're not supposed to lie on your taxes. Come on, somebody. And by the way, with your not coming to church that much self, faithfulness is still a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell somebody, holiness is still right. And we need bold preaching. Bold preaching. Hallelujah. Pastor, what if we preach like that and they leave? What if we preach like that and they stop giving their big offerings? We should never lay down our convictions for people who want to come to church and still go to hell. Hallelujah. Pentecost means bold preaching. In the midst of a Sexually confused society where Target has joined arms with a pro-homosexual Satanist to design clothing for our children, to put it in the front of their stores, front and center, to shove it down the face of conservative American Christians in a culture where Target now is designing and selling bikinis for boys. In a society now where there is not just the L, not just the G, not just the B, not just the T, but now we have the MAPS identity. We told you it was coming. We said if you open Pandora's box, it was just going to keep coming. You say, what's MAP? Minor attracted people. Psychology books are now pushing to, to include it in its mental illness section. Hello. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. In the midst of a sexually confused society, we need bold preaching. That stands up and says, from the beginning it was so. God created them male and female. When a man shall take a wife, he shall leave his mother and father, and the two shall become one flesh. Friend, let me tell you something. It's not popular. I don't hate them. I pray for them, but they are deceived. Listen, God never sanctioned uh, uh, Adam and Steve. Come on, somebody. He only sanctioned Adam and Eve. In the midst of a generation... Where they are confused on what gender they are. 
May we boldly proclaim God's creative design. And that man does not have what a woman has. And a woman does not have what a man has. Hallelujah. Bold preaching. We need bold preaching in in this hour of unfaithfulness. Bold preaching that echoes what the Spirit of the Lord told the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. I would that you were hot or that you were cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Bold preaching. Number five. Getting ready to close. Pentecost, to me, want the whole worship team to come this morning. Pentecost, to me, means calling for a decision. Calling for a decision. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at this together. Acts chapter 2, this is powerful. Peter sticks his finger in the face of adversity, preaches the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, They're convicted. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Time out. If people leave our services and they never ask this question, What are we doing? What are we doing? It's sad that in 2023, the church, I'm not talking about the world, the church has replaced I'm convicted with I'm offended. Used to, if the preacher preached something that that, that got under your, 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 your skin a little bit, if they were in the right, said dear God I'm convicted let me get my life right now people are offended but when Peter preached shared the gospel with them Peter said this Jesus you killed he resurrected he showed himself alive to us and these these men they said what must we do notice what Peter said You need to repent. Repent means to change your mind that leads to a change of direction. Metanoia. It's the picture of a metamorphosis. It's a caterpillar to a butterfly. You come one way and you leave a different way. That's what repent. Repentance is not when you cry. Because a lot of y'all come and cry and snot and you leave out and you never change. That's not repentance. Repentance is when you have a shift in your thinking that leads to a shift in your direction. Listen, repent and let every one of you be baptized or identify with Jesus for the remission of your sins. And then, notice this, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Pentecost means to me, church. It means that when we preach, we call for a decision. There's a plague in the body of Christ today. It's not COVID and it's not the flu. You know what it is? 
It's an allergy to the altar. We think, I, only, I don't need to go to the altar. If you think that, you the first one needs to be there. Because altars are not just a place for us to confess adultery or to confess this or that. Altars are a place to sacrifice. Now, understand, altars can be anywhere you make them. It can be beside your bed. It can be in your living room. An altar is a place, any place you consecrate yourself to God. But listen, Pentecostal preaching is always capstoned with an invitation to respond to what you've heard. When you think about it this morning, I hear you, Holy Ghost. There are people in this room, you're mad at me right now. How dare, that's condemnation. That's why you're lukewarm. When's the last time you won somebody to Christ? Your house is out of order. Get in the altars and watch God set you on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, today is not just another Christian holiday. It is when we commemorate the day the Holy Spirit was poured out. And let me just stop right here and finish this thing. When He poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, He never left. He's still here. He's still moving. So it's not as much us waiting for God to drop something out of the sky as much as it is and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Go read it. It's in the Scripture. The only time they tarried for a, for a, for a baptism of the, of the Spirit was in Acts chapter 2. The first time it was given. Every other time says, and they received. And they received. They received. Everybody close your Bibles this morning. Let me ask you a question. I have preached my guts out today. But I want to ask you a question today. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Let's be honest today. When's the last time you really felt His power? When's the last time you really yielded to His presence? You see, today, you could leave this place refilled, re-energized, repurposed. Or if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before, you can receive it today for the very first time. That's what the Lord is offering us today.